Amen. And uh, choir, thank you again. I just, I love the acapella. It just so, you draw us in so beautifully with that. And, and Bridget, thank you for bringing your gifts and graces in the midst of that. That's just so wonderful. Uh, again, uh, you know, we're so blessed, a beautiful choir, and, and Bridget is one of our McKinster fellows, and so we're grateful for your being with us during the summertime. That's, that's good. Usually our McKinster group is kind of, uh, they're students, and so they're, you know, during the school year, but to have you during the summer is a special treat, so, so thank you. Uh, again, we're continuing on in our series entitled Five Smooth Stones, and the series is based uh, on the whole notion of, of how important it is for us as people of faith uh, to have positive life affirmations that are drawn from the scriptures. You know, when you, get, you go into the Bible, you can find Bible verses that are just speak a truth uh, in a very, very succinct way that are, for me, are just so important when we face so many of the situations of our lives, the giants of our lives. You know, the, the series was originally built out of the image of David facing Goliath, and, and we do face giants. We do face Goliaths in our lives, and how important it is for us when we face those to have a smooth stone. You may remember David when he crossed the brook. He dug down on the brook. He scooped up five smooth stones. You know, we're looking for some truths that can be uh, a positive life affirmation for you. Not only that you can memorize, but that when you face that giant, you can pull out that stone and you say, you know what, I tell myself that truth because this is the truth of God for me and for everybody uh, in this situation. Uh, we started out this series looking at the giant of change and acknowledging that whenever we come into to change in our lives, it, it is something that can, can be overwhelming. And, and as we look at that, as we move through the seasons of our lives, you know, it's great to have a, a truth that guides us in that. And the truth that we uh, came forward with out of that particular message was from Joshua, the first chapter, uh, where Joshua says, Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So whatever change we face, whatever is before us, we always remember we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And in the second week, we looked at the giant of regret. And as we looked at regret, we kind of explored what that means in our lives. And we went for our smooth stone to 1 John in the first chapter, the ninth verse, where John writes, he says, if we confess our sins, if we kind of own that, that whatever happened in the regret is part of our lives, if we confess that and own that God is faithful and God is just to forgive. You know, we live in the forgiveness of God and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to give us a fresh start. So we live in that forgiveness of God. We live in that fresh start of God. And so when we face regret, it's great to have that stone in our pocket, you know, and to have that affirmation in our hearts. Today, we're looking into the whole notion of worry. And as we come into worry, I love the particular verse that comes out of Romans 8, 28. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses in the scriptures, maybe one of yours as well. And I particularly like the Revised Standard uh, Version translation of Romans 8, 28. And that Revised Standard Version goes like this. In all things, in the midst of everything that faces us in life, God is at work for good. In the midst of everything we face in life. 
God is at work for good. You know, sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't know when, where, how, what, who. You know, we don't, may not have the particulars in our mind, but what we can have in our hearts and through our faith is that God is at work for good for those who love the Lord or are called according to God's purposes. You know, it opens up our eyes to, to that truth. And so they, today we're going to explore that truth and we're going to explore that truth within the context of the things that we worry about in our lives because worry is part of life. So how do we bring that truth forward in a way that it makes a difference for you and for me? And so I invite us to bow our heads to join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks as we gather as a people of faith. We gather in the light of your truth. We know that your truth is a gift to us so that it might bring us hope, it might bring us peace, it might draw us into your presence, it might lead us forward in the pathways of our lives so that even as we live them in faith, we can live them as those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, for that blessing and for the ways that um, the scriptures this day lead us in that path, we give you our thanks and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought about or worried about what you would do if you found yourself in a car that was being surrounded by rising waters and the car was submerging in those waters, how you would escape that rising flood? Have you ever worried about that? Have you ever worried about, you know, you're out on the golf course and you hit your ball by an alligator and, and so you're, you're going and you're trying to retrieve your ball and all of a sudden the alligator turns not only simply toward your ball but turned toward you and you think, you know, what club am I going to choose to beat off that alligator with? Have you ever worried about that? Have you ever worried about you're visiting one of your relatives or a friend and they have you sleeping on the sofa bed in the middle of the night, the sofa bed collapses in on itself and you're trapped in there and you're thinking, how am I going to escape being smothered to death in this sofa bed? Have you ever worried about any of those things? Uh, probably not. No, that's right. Yeah, I hope not. But I want to tell you, if you have, I have the book for you because there is a book called The Worst Case Scenario Survivor's Handbook. And so it's Josh, uh, Josh Bivens, and, and so you can buy that book, and you can read about those scenarios, plus hundreds of others about how you can escape from all of those things. And there must be a lot of those kind of things to worry about, because Josh Bivens have, has written five uh, editions of the Worst Case Survivor's Guide, you know, handbook. And, and so, man, people must have a, a whole lot to worry about. Um, but like we said, you know, no, we haven't worried about the alligator or we haven't worried about the rising flood. We haven't worried about being smothered in a sofa bed. That's not usually what we worry about. I, I bet you your worries are a lot more like mine because worry is part of life. I mean, the things I worry about, you know, a bump comes up on me or I get a cough that, that doesn't go away and I'm thinking, golly, you know, what am I going to find? What's the doctor going to say when, when I go into the, to the doctor and they, and they make the diagnosis? You know, I think about that and I worry about that. I watch the stock market. I don't know about you, but that, that gives me indigestion. I don't know how people watch the ticker tape all day long, and, and he goes, it goes up and down, you know, it's, it's, you know bull and bear and, and uh, you know, boom and bust, and, and it goes up and down like that. And, and I don't know any, much about all that, but, but I do worry about you know, my financial long-term security. Maybe you have those kind of worries too. Now, what's going to happen long-term in, in terms of financial security? 
or I remember when I had kids and, you know, they would have different circles of friends as they moved through their school ages. And, you know, occasionally, I can particularly remember when one of my sons was, he was, I guess, freshman in high school and he, he started hanging out with a particular group of kids. And I thought, oh, this, oh, oh, oh. I, don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with all, with all of this. And, and I can remember thinking about that relation, you know, those relationships and, and where all that might be headed. And I remember can, being concerned and, and worrying about that and about his well-being. Or maybe you, you know, have been in a company that wasn't doing so well and, and um, you, know, the, you know, you knew it wasn't doing well. Everybody knew it wasn't doing well and the boss invites you in for a Friday afternoon conversation and you start thinking to yourself, oh, you know, where is, where is this going to go? I think worry is a part of life, you know. Those things that I listed, maybe those aren't your worries, but I bet you you've got some worries. I bet you have some things that are on your heart, on your mind, that you mull over in your heart and your mind and, because that's part of what it means to be a human being. Now, sometimes what happens is people, I've, I've met people who think that worry is actually beneficial in, in life. That's a really a positive blessing that God gives. You know, that what happens is that they say, well, worry keeps me vigilant keeps me on my toes, keeps me alert. You know, if I'm always looking for what the worst case thing that can happen when that's going to happen, so I keep focused in on that, so I might be prepared, so I might be able to prevent that worst case thing from happening. So some people think, you know, golly, it keeps me ready, always on my toes. And some people say, well, you know, it helps me to solve problems because if I mull over something in my mind long enough, if I just kind of let it rumble around up there and turn over and turn over, trying to finally I'll find a solution if I just let it run along up in there long enough, you know, I'll, I'll work my way through something. And some people say that. And some people say about worry, hey, if I worry enough, I'll never be disappointed. Because if you live your life in the worst case scenario situation, you know, when it ends up being like that, hey, I expected that all along. Well, who would think any different, you know? And so there are some people that kind of see worry as, as a positive in life. But I want to share with you, friends, that's, I'm, I'm not in that camp. <laughs> Just want to let you know right off the bat. To me, worry's got some real negative aspects to it. One of the negative aspects is it does increase stress by a lot. And as you know, I know stress is not good for your mental health, for your emotional health, for your physical health, for your relational health. Stress is not good. Worry advances your aging. You've always, you know, I remember looking at my grandmother talking about the, you know, lines and the wrinkle lines on her face and she'd say, you know what they call those lines? Worry lines. Ever heard that expression? Worry lines? Yeah, it advances aging. Nobody wants to age any faster than nature's already taken us down. Yeah, no one would do that any quicker than it's already happening. Aging. You know, it will ruin your sleep and your digestion all at the same time. You know, if I'm worrying about something, I'll toss and turn at night. And even while I'm tossing and turning at night, my stomach will be tossing and turning at night too. You know, everything's tossing and turning when you're, when you're worried about something. People who worry a lot tend to, to slide into a place where they're depressed. Because I tell you, if you spend your life in a negative place all the time, worst case scenario place all the time, 
I mean, that's, that's a hard place to be. It's easy to get depressed if that's kind of your view of life. But I think the worst thing about worry for me is this. Worry forgets about God. Worry has an amnesia about God. And to me, that's, that's a concern. That's a concern. And so you begin to look at worry and you begin to say, yeah, it is part of our lives, but sometimes it gets to be a bigger part of our lives. Sometimes that giant of worry grows in our lives and you begin to say, well, how can I get a sense of that it's, it's growing up in my life, that worry is kind of taken more than its share of, of, of a place in my life. And there are ways you can, you can know about that and you can look about that. And, and one of the ways, one of the indicators is this. If you find that, that in your thinking you're always gravitating toward and you're focusing on and, and you find yourself always drawn to the negative, worst-case scenario side of things. And even as you're drawn into that side of things, you're always minimizing or ignoring or forgetting about the positive side of things. You know, so there's this imbalance in your thinking where it's kind of like it's always bad and it's never good. It's a sign that worries, you know, a giant in your life. If you find yourself thinking about the negative, worst-case scenario of things, and you never measure that against the, the realistic possibilities and probabilities that that actually will happen, that's a sign that worry can be taken over a big place in your life. Because sometimes, statistically, what you and I worry about is so minuscule, and yet the way that we think about it, we just kind of forget <laughs> you know, what's, the real, what's the real probability that that could happen. It might not be near what we think. Or perhaps sometimes, maybe you found this, that I'll find myself feeling that I'm the victim, that there's always a villain, that there's never a victory. So you start thinking like that, again, worry starts to become a giant in life. And it can take that place. And worry is part of life, but see, it can grow in our lives to, to take a bigger place than it deserves. So what do we do about that? That's one of the reasons I love the scripture this morning from Philippians. This scripture from Philippians today is so powerful because the Apostle Paul is a person who does have something real to worry about. You begin to look, tell you a little bit of background on the scripture this morning. These scriptures this morning was, were, were what they call from the prison letters. Philippians is what they call a prison letter. And if we were to go to the early part of the, of the letter from Philippians, he writes about being in chains. And so the letter is written, you know, from prison, being in chains, in a dungeon. And not only in a dungeon, he's also facing the high likelihood and possibility of his own death. You know, in Philippians, you find that famous quote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he's looking at that as a possibility, but for his own well-being. That's something to worry about. And not only that, he's worried about the life of his churches. He's founded all these churches, you know, all, all, all over the Mediterranean. And all of a sudden you're thinking, what's going to happen with, with all those young churches and all those Christians and, and all the ones who he's bringing along and mentoring and writing to and, and fostering in their discipleship? What's going to happen with all of them? 
You know, he's a guy that has something really, truly to worry about. And in the midst of the worry, here's what he writes. Have no anxiety about anything. Have no anxiety about anything. Anxiety is where you take worry into the worst case scenario. You know, have no anxiety about anything. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen? In everything. With prayer. That's the next line. Have no anxiety about anything but in everything with prayer. See, what prayer does is it brings God into the equation. Where prayer does is it reminds us to remember that it's our problem. You know, it's me, my problem, and God. <laughs> don't forget, don't leave God out of the picture. Prayer brings God into that place, into that picture. It reminds you and me that we're not in this alone. It brings us back to the smooth stone truth that I talked about earlier on, that in the midst of everything, God is at work for good. That's what prayer does, brings us into that truth, that God is at work for good, and the very thing that you're worrying about, God is there, and God is at work, and God is at work for good. And prayer reminds us about that truth, and it invites us to come enter into that truth in a way that it gets really specific, because the apostle moves from, he says, pray with supplication. What supplication is, is when prayer starts getting specific. And you start praying to God in a way to say, God, you know, here's what's going on. Here is what I need. Here is where I'm seeking your help. You know, supplication is when you start just naming those things off. And I know, you know, God already knows those things. And you already know those things. But to me, to kind of bring those things out in a place where there's a vulnerability in our lives before God. And we get that chance to kind of own how God is part of that, what's happening in that place in our lives. That's what supplication does. So we lay it out. God, here's where, you know, you say you're at work for good. Here's where I need you to be at work for good. And at the same time as we lay it out, we also listen. Because what I found is that sometimes the way that God is at work for good is sometimes God then will lay on your heart or on your mind, well, here's how God is at work, and here's how I need to be at work, how you need to be at work in that context of God. Because sometimes the answer God gives, often the answer God gives, is for us to be engaged in doing something specific in our own lives so that we are part of the answer. I don't know about you, but I love this serenity prayer because it kind of captures that up. And the serenity prayer is the prayer that goes like this. God, grant me to the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change because those are the places where I really need God to be God in a really powerful, special way. The courage to change the things I can because those are the places in my life where I need to live into those truths of God in ways that I'm actively, I'm the active agent in there in ways that I'm sharing and living into that love of God. And then the wisdom to know the difference. Because we have all those places in our lives. And so what happens is prayer draws us into that place. Supplication draws us into that place. And he says, even as you enter into that place with supplication, he says, do it also with thanksgiving. The thanksgiving is preemptory. The thanksgiving is anticipatory. 
The thanksgiving is relying and resting upon our faith that God is indeed at work. And we're going to thank God even before we know the answer. Even before we see what God is doing. Even before we can kind of fathom, well, who is going to, you know, how is it going to come down or who's going to be part of it or what's going to go on, you know. It's a matter of knowing and trusting and believing. And that's what the thanksgiving thanks in the midst of prayer does. And so what the apostle says, the first way of overcoming worry is prayer. He says, in everything with prayer which includes supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the second thing that he does beyond prayer is he talks about positive thinking and positive doing. And I love that when you come down in verses 8 and 9, particularly verse 8, what the apostle says, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pleasing, whatever is pure, Whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think on these things. Keep our mind on these things. See, what worry does is worry takes our minds off of anything that's true and just and, and pure and pleasing and commendable and noble. It takes our mind totally off of that and focuses in on everything as everything's going down the tube. He says, no, focus in on those things that are pleasing and excellent and praiseworthy. You know, put your mind there. Think on these things. Turn in these ways. And not only kind of focus in on that in prayer in terms of here's what God could be doing. Here's how I've asked for God to be doing it. Here's how I might be part of that answer. You know, focus on those things. Not only do that, he says, not only think about it, but he says also do it. Verse 9, he says, whatever you have received and learned and heard and seen in me. That's the witness of the apostle, the guy that's writing out of prison and bringing a word of encouragement to everybody else, you know. Do it. He says, do that. And so what we find is in the midst of worry, the counsel is prayer. The counsel is being positive, both in thought and in deed. And then the apostle says in both of those scriptures, when you get down to the bottom of verse 7, you get down to the bottom of verse 9, he says what that does, what prayer does, and what that positive focus does is bring us into a place of peace. In verse 7, he says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Says, have no anxiety about anything. In everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will abide with you. And so in that first phrase, he talks about the peace of God abiding. When you come down to the ninth phrase, ninth verse, he talks about the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> so the peace of God, the God of peace, either way, he comes out at that same place that instead of being a person who's consumed by worry, it's a person who knows that, yes, worry is a part of life, but in that place in life, we can have peace in life. We can trust God in life. We can know that God is at work in those places in our lives, and we can know that that is a smooth stone blessing. That's a smooth stone blessing for all of us in the midst of all things.
God is at work for good, for your good, for my good, for our good, because God is a good God. And so in that faith, I invite us to bow our heads, to join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks that in those places in our lives where we worry and we tend to take it worst case and we tend to take it uh, down a negative path, we tend to see the darkness rather than the light, you invite us to know that you are there. You invite us to know that you are working. You invite us to lay it all out, to trust in you, to name everything that's going on, knowing that even as we do that, that you are in the midst of answering the concerns, the cares of our hearts and lives. And so for that blessing, we give you thanks, and we ask that we live in that blessing in and through prayer, and that we then rise up in that blessing to think positively and to act positively in ways that we would become that, that force for light and for love that you would have us to be in the life of your world. And so, Lord, Lord, for the gift of your grace that we find in Christ Jesus and through the witness of the word of the apostle today, we give you our thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. But as to stand, to join together, we're going to sing our closing hymn, God Will Take Care of You. So let's, let's rise and let's join together.